Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brenda McCullough, and it's a bonus episode. Uh, we're in the month of December. We're taking a trip back in the time machine five years ago. We're oh going to be doing the best of our game interviews, uh, so oh our boy. game developer <laughs> interviews. Uh, that's the thing. For anyone following our show, we haven't done those in quite some time. I feel like it's all it's- because... We interviewed the developers of Moss, and it never <laughs> saw the light of day. <laughs> we were defeated, and we're just like, why bother? Why yeah, but, do it again? But revisiting a lot of these has made me realize that I do love uh, that that's something we founded our show on, was interviewing game developers specifically, and hopefully something we can strive to do again. It's honestly just hard with the time zones now that I'm on the West Coast, and it's like, they they usually want to interview while they're still at work, like between like eight and five p.m. And it's like great, we're already at eight p.m. like on on the East Coast, so that works out well for us. And now that I'm also working at that time, it's like it doesn't work out anymore. Nope, so not at I all. apologize. Oh, you have nothing to apologize for, but that's just how things work. And uh, it's just crazy that yeah. Speaking of time zones, we were talking to people all over the world. So oh yeah. Uh, look forward to checking out one of some of our older conversations we had. Uh, that's the thing. Th- this is from episode 26 with Triangle Studios and God, episode 48 early. with uh, 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 the creators of the game Feist. So uh, sit back, relax, let us know what you think, and we'll be back with some commentary. We have a guest, one of the founders, I believe, of Triangle Studios who developed me and Doug's new addiction, It Came From Space and Ate Our Brains. Yep, we have Remco DeRoy. I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Of course, happy to be here. I was playing the game just minutes ago, and I was so close, so very close, to beating Block City on Insane. (laughs) And I died, I believe, at the last possible wave. Did it take you a long time? I am furious right now. <laughs> My I'm so sorry to hear that. Me and Brandon have had like quite a relationship with this game. We uh we were playing uh, multiplayer online, and I think we were playing the first level at the time on Insane. And yeah, we probably made it to like wave six. There's probably one enemy or two enemies left, and then we died. It was it was it was heartbreaking. <laughs> That's crazy, guys. <laughs> I, I do have to say, uh, the most uh, successful games of Insane have probably been the four-player matches so far. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I was curious about that. With the multiplayer, does the difficulty uh, scale to the number of players in the game, or is it the same level of difficulty no matter how many people are there? No, it, it actually scales a bit, but mostly in terms of uh, the amount of enemies. We also, uh, because of inter- when you scale up to difficulty, we change the uh, uh, the health and the speed of the enemies. Um, if you play with more people, we're just increasing the amount of enemies. Uh, but it just feels like if you're if you're playing with four people at the same time, it's like there's this hive mind going on of where the aliens are coming from and how to defend from it. So it's like much more effective than two players. That makes sense. Um, well, speaking of the game, you guys have quite a bunch of games under your belt at uh, Triangle Studios. Well, first of all, which is your favorite game that you've worked on out of the ones you have available? Well, I have a, a big uh, love-hate relationship with one of the games. It's actually an, an unreleased title. It's called Cross of the Dutchman, and it's, it's one of those games that has been in development for a very, very long time, and we are just finishing it off uh, uh, as actually uh, within the next couple of uh, weeks. 
Um, so I really want to get that game out there. I actually, from space for me was a, was a really nice break away from, from Cross of the Dutchman and from, uh, the, the work for hire commercial projects that we usually do. You've been working on Cross of the Dutchman for six years now, right? Yeah. And I mean, during those years, I mean, we have uh, primarily a work for hire team. So we, we have a couple of people on the, on the team and we, uh, we do work for hire projects to, uh, to keep them all on board and keep the studio running. So, um, even though Cross of the Dutchman has been going on and off for about six years, uh, it's been, um, four or four different iterations, major iterations of the game that we've been working on and going back and saying, okay, this is, this won't do. So we have to do it again. And, uh, it's kind of this project where, um, you're, you're, you're more worried about getting the game right than worried about the financials of it all because I, really don't want to think about that at, the, at this time <laughs> gotcha <laughs> uh you were actually uh donated quite a bit of money from uh nordwest uh Fisland? sorry <laughs> oh right it's, uh, from the uh, from the it's actually a province so it's what I, what you would count uh, call a county in the in the united states oh wow um, and it's because uh the the character that we based that game off or the idea for that game is a real historical character um, the cool thing is that actually the events uh, around that character took place 500 years ago this year. So we really need to get that game out there. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Cool. Are you worried about making like a historically sort of accurate game? I know Assassin's Creed has uh, done it with the first few games and they've really tried to get the history exactly right because you can go back and look up the information and see how factual the game really is. Right. Are you worried so, anyone's going to call you out on certain facts or accuracy? No, actually, that's that's part of the fun for this project. I mean, this this all took place in the 16th century, and um, I mean, uh, some of some of history is much more uh, much better documented than than the story about the the character from Cross of the Dutchman. So what we have is shards of history, and actually, most of it is what people think they know is actually true. Uh, but we've done a lot of research going into the character, going into the, uh, the battles that took place and who fought against who and who was the bad guy and who wasn't. And I mean, it was a, a whole, it took a whole lot of time to really get to the bottom of that. And even now there are still people who are adding information to that, but we want to tell the, uh, the, the story about the character and it's, and his involvement in what was going on in the country at that time. Um, so we, we get to play around with the character more than we want to mess with the actual history. We don't want to come up with battles that never took place or events that are completely made up. Uh, but we do want to make it interesting. So we, we do, uh, I mean, the, the, the story around the character, he has almost mythical powers where he is like seven foot tall and has the strength of an ox. And of course, uh, that's not actually the case. Neither was, uh, Altair climbing all these buildings and, and stuff like that. So, that's the kind of uh, the the magic sauce that we want to that we want to add to the mix, I guess. Um, you talked about the uh, marketing for uh, from space, and I noticed I I never heard much about it. I heard it about it from Doug, but right on the menu screen you have a quote from Jim Sterling, the video game reviewer. Yeah. Um, did you just send it the game out to the right people and hoped uh, whoever you needed to got a hand on it and just you know would promote it to their fans like Jim? Yeah, actually. So, um, 
we sent uh, out uh, keys to a whole lot of YouTubers out there, and Jim was one of them. And we were fortunate enough for him to to pick it up because he was, I mean, he was generating uh, a, a lot of views the day the, the videos uh, uh, the video went uh, went live. And I mean, even though during the video he sounded like he was really out of it, and I guess a lot of commenters were also picking up on that. Uh, it was kind of fun that usually he really he's really hating on a game and and. Uh, uh, calling it uh, calling it a shitty game or whatever, and I guess he didn't do it as much with From Space, and, <laughs> and people people noticed that, so it was kind of positive. And uh, I guess one of uh, one of the comments even said uh, uh, the quote that I put in the game. I, I can't recall it right now, but it was like uh, I can uh, I can say that this is not a real shitty game or something. So you thought that was fun and just uh, decided to put it in the game as a quote. It made me laugh. <laughs> oh, so uh, yeah, I, I guess to uh, to uh, answer your question, I mean, we we just sent it out, but we didn't expect them to respond. And there's a so actually, this is the first game that we are distributing through Steam. So there's a lot of people that are asking us for for review keys, and we actually noticed that there is a whole bunch of scammers out there. Um, so especially for major YouTube channels, you get an, an email, you think, wow, this guy is really popular. But then you start to check out his email address and it's like, oh, this is just some guy who's trying to scam this, uh, this YouTuber. So, uh, then we send an extra email to the, to the YouTube, uh, channel owner, making, making sure they know that other people are using their name in the, uh, to, to the disadvantage. And, uh, I mean, maybe they, uh, they can do something about it, but I guess it's pretty difficult. I can say at least from our experience, and if you want to read from us, I would say it's like digital crack cocaine because it is very addictive, and you can just jump in and just waste hours playing it. Like you can just lose track of time. Oh yeah, that's and very I, good to hear. Yeah, I I have two jobs, so and the thing is like I want to take like a little time of my of my day to play this game, and then like before I know it, it's like my whole day is gone, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Something, uh, are actually one of the most important things during the original development cycle is everything is built in such a short amount of time that when you're done and you're tempted to, add, uh, to, to start adding features or maybe making little tweaks, you're constantly faced with, oh man, this is just built to work in one way and one way only. So when we, when we finished the prototype, we, we knew that if we wanted to do anything else, we needed to start all over again. Um, Having said that, I mean, when we started building the game, and we actually started um, January 4th of this year, so the entire game was actually built in less than eight weeks. Oh my gosh, uh, wow. that is that is a huge feat in and of itself. I feel like you guys should have that like advertised. <laughs> well, we, uh, I mean, the the reason uh, we wanted to keep it a very controlled development schedule, and we uh, we were successful in in doing that. Uh, mainly because we had other work lined up. So, uh, we knew that, okay, we need, if we need, if we're going to do this, we need to do this within, within eight weeks. And then, I mean, it was, uh, pre beta, of course. So, uh, we did the development, then we went into beta. And then, of course, we had to fix a lot of stuff and we had to, uh, uh, tweak some, some things. But the, the core of the development cycle was eight weeks. And, we wanted to make sure that there were no components that we hadn't done before. So that was, I guess, one of the most important things. And, uh, you guys have probably noticed we built the game using Unity as, as a lot of developers do right now. And, uh, one of the things that we've learned is 
just make sure that you take a look at the asset store before you start building something yourself. Because there are so many helpful tools out there that you can just pick up for just a couple of bucks. And um, simple tools that, that help us with, uh, with controls or that help us with, uh, 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 with effects or maybe with multiplayer elements. Um, before we do anything, we just uh, check out the, uh, the asset store. Because, I mean, even if, if one of my programmers has to spend half a day working on something, uh, it's, we're probably better off just buying something for 30 bucks and, uh, and be, and be done with it. So, uh, for all of the components that we had in mind for from space, we had some experience with previous projects. So we, uh, right from the get go, we could start focusing on building the game itself and not having to worry about all of the logistics or all of the, how do we deal with having multiple levels in there? What if we want to add uh, levels later on or where do we want to add? weapons or characters or skins or whatever i mean this that th those were all things that we that we had experience with so uh, we knew which direction to take right from the get-go nice and yeah it, it makes sense to not try and reinvent the wheel is what my boss likes to say uh if it's already out yeah, there exactly yeah you're better off um yeah just not wasting the time <laughs> Well, I guess there, there's a very good and healthy, uh, economy going on the, on the asset store right now. And I guess, I mean, we, we do most of our projects in, in Unity. So we don't have a lot of experience with other game engines. Uh, but we've put out a couple of tools ourselves and we noticed that other developers are buying them and wanting to use them in their, in their game. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to be able to, uh, sometimes help another developer by purchasing, uh, 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 um, an asset or, uh, or, or maybe a plugin and sometimes give something back because you're, you're, you're offering a bundle yourself. Sure. Now I'm curious. You said that you guys enjoy playing this game before you release a map. Do you play every single level on insane mode to see if it's even possible to win? Yeah. Or is that course. more up to the players? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we have, uh, this is actually, uh, we had an intern, uh, the past six months. So he's, he's, uh, I think he's graduating right now, but, uh, he built a, a very cool, uh, analytics tool. Uh, it's actually a 3D heat map that we use during the, during the beta. Um, so when we have a new, uh, map, we, uh, reset the tool, just have everybody play it. And then after a couple of days, we start to gather information, uh, uh, and put it into a heat map so we know where people get killed, uh, if there's any, uh, aliens uh, be getting stuck or maybe uh, clogging up in certain alley alleyways or on certain points in the map. And I mean, by studying this, you also get to know the map really well and uh, you start to develop some ideas for how you should move if you're alone or if you're with multiple people or what is like a, a perfect killing zone or what kind of weapons you should use. So, it's kind of fun to play with those variables and come up with your own tactics on how to approach each level the best. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting analytics tool, the heat map. That's that's awesome way to track that. I mean, there's uh there's other tools that uh that offer something similar, but we never uh, we didn't we were not able to find something uh that really works for 3D environments. So this is one of those occasions where we thought, okay, hey, if we if we have the ability, and, and of course we had this great intern who was able to work on that for a couple of months, let's just develop the tool and see if we can fit it in. And it was actually a great help during the beta from space. So, yeah, that uh, that helped out a great deal. Um, as far as your team goes, uh, this is Triangle Studios we're talking about. How how many 
uh, programmers and designers and like how big is your team and do you delegate those people to work on different game projects at a time or are they all collectively working on one thing and trying to complete it? Right. So uh, Triangle Studios is currently with uh, four programmers, uh, a 2D artist, 3D artist, an animator, and art director, and then a designer and a producer and myself. Um, and our, uh, our producer is also, uh, the, the, the composer. So he also makes the music for the, the music for the games. Okay. Um, our, uh, so we use, uh, agile development as a lot of teams do. And, uh, we noticed that we need to focus the team as much as possible to a single project. So we try to dedicate people on a, on a weekly basis. So, uh, if we engage them with the project, we want to make sure that they keep working on that for at least a week. Uh, so even if we have a couple of projects that are in maintenance mode, so we need to do some live management or some updates, uh, we want to make sure that they, that they are able to keep working on that game for at least a week. Otherwise, we notice that uh, productivity is going down. Uh, people uh, are not able to get the most out of the things that they, uh, that they build. Um, so that's kind of our philosophy, and sometimes that's difficult, especially since you, if you don't have a lot of big things to work on, uh, you need to pick up some of the smaller projects, then, then it's like, oh, a couple of days working on this and a couple of days working on that. Um, in the example of, uh, um, of From Space, we had the entire team working on it for the, for the uh, two-month period, with the exception of um, uh, myself and one of the programmers. I was, during that time, mainly involved with... Uh, uh, some of the finishing work for for Cross with the Dutchman. So I guess you could say we were doing two two projects at the same time. But I mean, everybody is it's it's one working area, so everybody knows what everybody's doing. So it's it's a really uh, close knit team, so to say. Now I'm curious, uh, maybe while you're developing, or even after the game was finished, did you ever name the main character in uh, From Space? Yeah, I think we called him Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, I don't know where Jerry came from. I think that in the very first prototype, it was the idea that Jerry was a news reporter for whatever reason. And <laughs> uh, I think his news helicopter crashed and he, uh, he just happened to find himself in an, in a zombie in alien infested a city. But I guess somehow, somewhere along the way, that story really got lost because it was all about just about shooting these aliens. So. Maybe we should rework the story back into the game, but uh, I think, yeah, he was called Jerry, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Games like, this, like these, it, it, it seems like they have to be frustrating up to a certain level, uh, and it's like a very fine balance between uh, being rewarding and being frustrating. But yeah. if it's not frustrating enough, you'll just stop playing after a while because you win all the time. And exactly. If I it's not just... rewarding enough, you won't come back to the game either. So it's like a very fine balance. But I, I like to think that we're that we're getting pretty close. You really are. That's hilarious that you put it that way. Because I was just going to say it's the reason we're playing is because it's frustrating, so, and we just want to come out on top. Hopefully, not too frustrating. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Well, I know. I know I'm pretty close because I believe I'm third ranked on Block Hospital and second ranked in Block City, and I haven't even beaten Block City yet. Oh, oh nice! Sounds like uh, we need to get out of the beta, out of the beta branch on Steam, and uh, start working on the actual uh, leaderboards. Definitely. Oh no! No, let me have this confidence. <laughs> let me be proud of something. Let me 
have two very special guests today, Florian and Adrian, the creators of the game Feist, and also the co-founders of the game company Bits and Beasts. How are you doing, guys? Hey, hi there. Great to be here. So uh, how exactly did you two meet one another, and when was the defining moment in time that you guys decided, oh, we're going to build games together? Uh, we met at university, at the Zurich University of the Art. Uh, we were in the game design course. And there, Feist actually started as a prototype, and then was our uh, final thesis. And afterwards, wow. we uh, uh, thought we wanted to continue working on it and uh, entered it in some competitions. And so the first thing, we won uh, Best Overall Game and Best Visual Design at the Unity Awards in 2008. And that's when we uh, got a lot of attention from people. The first time, and we thought, hey, uh, there's lots of people interested in the game, and we uh, then decided to work on it even more. I mean, I think one of the reasons we wanted to work together was that we both have, uh, were interested in, or still are interested in things we are not sure if they are possible to achieve, or if they, if they function, if they work. Um, so this, this kind of passion was great to work together, but it was also sometimes difficult because whenever we thought, should we do this? And we thought, oh, we're not sure if it's possible to do, then we, we tried to do it, which was not, which, which was quite time consuming actually, uh, in the long run. Yeah. At the beginning, we also didn't have a, like a set goal. We didn't know where we exactly wanted to go with Feist. So we set a few uh, goals, more like, uh, guideposts that we set up, but then we experimented a lot and the game uh, really uh, was created in the process. And also that meant that we had, had to spend a lot of time later on to uh, find the direction and really define the game. some of your initial influences i see like the main character for instance isn't a human it's more or less a fuzzball creature what was the influence behind that specifically i think we i, I it's i do not remember why we actually choose to make a guy with fur but but when we <laughs> have decided that he has to have fur it was not so very easy to achieve that um because it's very difficult to do that in in real time 3d and so we have to had to find uh, some kind of a low tech um, solution for that, and and this is actually why we why we chose to work with that uh, what people call a silhouette style, because it helped us to combine um, different kind of assets into um, an object that has some kind of volume and still has a lot of detail details on the edges, which was necessary for the fur, but later on also for the the grass, for the trees, and so on. Yeah, and we also were supported by the Swiss Arts Council. Uh, that's an organization by the Swiss uh, government that support uh, art projects, usually film and uh, literature and uh, modern art. But they also started a game design program where they support game projects. That's been running now for a couple of years. 
And so I think there's definitely a, a support for uh, not the business side, but also the artistic side of games. cool aspect of the game is the music. How did you meet up with the person responsible for that? Because it fits the game perfectly. Uh, well, I kn- it's uh, Tomek Kolczynski who did the, the music, and we also think he did a great job, a very great job. Um, uh, I knew him from, uh, I think, five or ten years ago, um, from the same city, Basel, and we, we met per coincidence and then we talked about what we are both doing and then he said hey i'd like to do music for your game i just uh, saw the trailer and i think it was not that easy in the beginning for tomic because he came very late into the project um and i think it was not that easy to work together with us because maybe we were already focused on 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 things so i think it, it took him quite a while to to find the right tune but then when, when he did, it, it really exploded and he, he did a lot of uh, very cool uh, music for the game. And the, yeah, the feedback is, is very great for the music and everybody thinks it's a perfect fit. It truly is. That's why I bring it up. There's a lot of games I've played where the music doesn't fit. So when you find one where it does, it's pretty noticeable. Yeah, I think the, the challenge for him was also that we are both, Adrian and me, both very, uh, in, uh, music is something very important for us. So it's not just, uh, oh, okay, uh, yeah, we take anything or something like this. And the other thing is we tried actually hard to to work on the look of the game that it does not look like a typical computer game. And so he also had to uh, work on the music that it does not sound like a typical computer game music. your site it says it's uh, reminiscent of Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. Are you guys fans of it or was that a blurb written by someone else? Adrian, are you a fan of it? I haven't actually seen it, but uh, (laughs) it's a childhood memory of Florian. So maybe he can uh, tell tell the story. No, I I mean the the point is this. A lot of people ask what is the the inspiration for the game? What is the 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 idea, the, the first idea, or what was the vision? And I think the question is quite, sounds quite strange if you work on a project for a long time, because there are so many inspirations. I mean, we all share basically the same uh, cultural background. There are so many influences. And normally, I think it's not that important what was the first idea or what was the idea, because the, the just one idea is quite meaningless in the ocean of ideas you had during the process. So I think the question is more important. Uh, why did you, why didn't you kick out some of those ideas? And I think because they worked in the context of the game, um, we, we never knew, I think the hedgehog in the fog before we started with the game, but during the time we worked on the game, people said, Hey, 
you know, there's this Russian movie and it, it looks like your game or something like this. And then we watch it, of course. Um, yeah, so I think it's really difficult to say what, what's, what's really the inspiration in the end. Oh, wow. That was a much more meaningful answer than I expected. I'm wondering, though, with all the reviews that you get, are you guys completely sick of being compared to Limbo yet? Because <laughs> I know it's been made a few times, especially with the uh, uh, silhouette style. Yeah, anyone I recommend this game to is like, oh, it's like Limbo, and they ask me if it's by the same creators, and I'm like, no, actually it's not. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's now there, the comparison are there for a long time, at least for us. I mean, we didn't knew the game uh, from the from Playdead when we started with Feist because I think they worked on the game for a long, quite a long time, but they really kept it secret. So we went to the IGF, um, showed our game there because we were nominated, and then it, I think it was someone from uh, Un the Unity crew who told us, "Hey, you know, um, I have a friend, and he's working on a, on another project, and it has similarities." And so we started to knew about this project. And the thing is, when you are, when you, I mean, when you're really deep in a the project, then normally you work on, on details and you do not see the bigger picture anymore. And for us, I think we forgot about the whole silhouette style. I, I, I'm not aware all the time that this game has a silhouette style. Obviously it has, but, but there are so many other topics you work on that you completely forget this. So when I first saw Limbo, it was not for me like, oh my God, it's, it's, it looks the same. But what happened then later on is that a lot of people, mostly from the press, uh, talked about that. And I, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely okay if, if, they, if the games are compared. It's just not really cool to, to read if, if everything is, is only in those, yeah, if they only compare it and don't, um, you know, uh, write about it, uh, about other aspects of the game. And yeah, how they're different from one another. What I get fed up with, at least, is... Uh... Oh, the question like who came first and who copied from whom like especially I don't think anyone copied right especially in the in the case of Limbo and Feist it's really that both were developed par in parallel and nobody copied from nobody but a lot of people uh, are really fixated on that question and it always comes up again and again and so I'm more fed up that's strange. Even if you show them the history of the project, where it's clearly that both projects started independently and parallel and they couldn't knew about each other, uh, there are some people who think it's, it's not possible because one thing needs to be invented by one person. And that's, that's so very strange because, you know, you, you asked me about, you asked me about the art school at, at Zurich University of the Arts. The first thing we teach is, if you want to create a game, look for an, an, and it's okay if you look at other art styles, but look outside uh, of your own medium. Of, uh, look, look into animation, look into paintings and so on. So basically that's what you do. And obviously the, the silhouette style goes way back uh, to Chinese shadow theater or yeah, to a lot of things. So that that's what's happening. You you of course you're influenced with uh, uh, by things going on, but normally you're not influenced by people who are really working in the same fields than you are. I think. Yeah, you get influenced by everything around you. It's not just uh, video games influence other video games. It's 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 tough hurdle for I think the video game community especially because uh, some of them tend to be very. 
uh, set in their ways and very ignorant on any other viewpoints. And I think also that's just the mindset of a consumer versus a developer. Like, they don't really honestly understand all that goes into creating a game. So they're just thinking to themselves, oh, well, those people must have just copied off of those people, even though that might not necessarily be the case. But I think, you know, I think normally it works like this. You really work on a project. And we once decided that our project has a two-dimensional game mechanic. And the reason for this was just because we said it's physics-based. And if it's two-dimensional, there's a bigger chance that objects can collide. So, so you end up with a two-dimensional gameplay. And then you think, okay, uh, what kind of visuals do we choose? And if you look at projects that are two-dimensional, you see they came, come up with the same solutions normally. A lot of them, you know, show, uh, I don't know how to say it, they show the landscape as if it was cut apart. So you see into the landscape or others, they build up a stage, like, for example, a trine or a little big planet or so on. And, and what we did, we just thought about, okay, um, basically we're going to show the player what he can walk on. This is black. And the other thing is, is the opposite color. This could be white or in our case, just the colorful background. And the other reason why we chose the silhouette style was, again, as I said, we tried to create a world that feels very organic. So we, we use the forest. And in the forest, you have a problem if you build it up with 3D objects that you do not have uh, details on the edges, which are really important. The tree is uh, interesting mainly on, on the edges because of his structure. And I think the, the guys from Play Dead with Limbo, they really have the same thinking. So I, I think it's not that a big coincidence that you come up with the, with the same kind of solutions if you have the same kind of problems. Yeah, that makes sense to me. ever hope that one day your game will overcome the Canadian pop singer Feist for the number one Google thing? No, but she's great. I think she's <laughs> so. We we also put her into the credits. For, we thanked her. Oh really? Yeah, I saw that actually. That's amazingly funny. <laughs> no, the, the the thing is, the, the funny thing is, I mean, we we just I I googled her before we before we put on the name, but I didn't know her. I have to say, she was not that famous because the game is really so old. But um, the funny thing is, when the game uh, when the game got some speed a lot of people um, were mailing us and asked us if we could uh, read their song texts because they are all wanted our feedback and or they wanted to put us on uh, glamour italy or they invited us to um, feminist concerts and so on <laughs> and we we never we never said hey we are we are the singer feist but we said always oh oh great it's a pleasure we'd like to come but then they cut the conversation. And even if we asked, hey, just, just wondering why, why do you thought we are Leslie Feist? Then they never wrote back, unfortunately. And you, you, you learn a lot about people if you got the mails from, uh, from a pop star. <laughs> For a pop star. That's funny. I would, I would love to see your little fuzz creature on the cover of a glamour magazine. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, <laughs> I have to ask, what, did lead to you guys going with the name Feist. We tried out a lot of different names. 
and uh, in the end Feist stuck. I think it's a uh, it's from the German word Feist, uh, which is pretty similar to the English word Feisty. And originally it's uh, from a hunting language and describes the, the fat of the animals that they acquire in, in the summer. Oh, okay. Interesting. And we thought that was a really great fit for, for the game. But, but then again, we also can say it was just a working title until we won the Unity Award and suddenly realized, okay, it's not a working title anymore because people now know that the game is called Feist. It's a good thing you didn't have the working title as like Force Simulator or something. Something very bulky. <laughs> Sim simulators from Switzerland are quite popular, actually. Yeah, you got all those uh, snowcast simulators and uh, the truck driving simulators. And yeah, the, fa the farming simulator is the most popular uh, Swiss game. It, it blows my mind how popular it's gotten. They've become this, their own culture <laughs> in itself. So we should, uh, for a simulator, that would have been better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Bren, that was a blast from the past. It was good Holy hearing from Remco de Roy from Triangle Studios and Florian and Adrian's from Bits and Beasts. Uh, anything come to mind? I think I still got Remco on our Skype contact. <laughs> oh, Skype wow. but <laughs> I would see him pop up every now and I was like, hey, what if I just shot him a message like four years later and I'm like, hey, what's up? Hey, maybe we <laughs> you will. You don't know who I am anymore. What's going on? <laughs> or like Phil Lamar and be like, hey, let me bug you again. <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing about revisiting this stuff that's like, yeah, literally five years old. Triangle Studios, I was looking at the games they've been working on since uh, we obviously were talking to him about It Came From Space and Ate Our Brains, and he mentioned mm -hmm. The Cross of the Dutchman. Played they did that. do another game called Area, or Area, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Didn't have great reception on on Steam, but their next game is coming out 2021 in Ooh. late February, and it's called Slide Stars. And I'm like, Slide oh my god, I am so ready for this. It's just a tubing game where you try to like balance on your tube or something. Go check out a trailer on Steam, guys. Uh, continue to support Triangle Studios. We love the, those people, and uh, it, it's just funny to see that they still got some pretty cool games up their sleeve. Got one coming out soon, yeah. I, I mean, Slide Stars. It sounds like a game or no game candidate. <laughs> We're PA boys. We love tubing. <laughs> exactly. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it's just crazy. Uh, Tri Triangle Studios has a base in the Netherlands as well as in... Uh, what did he say? Austin or Texas, I believe. I think so. Yeah, somewhere in Texas. Yeah, so th that's just awesome that uh, we you, talk to people around the world. <laughs> you can tell it's an early, early clip. A, by the quality of our mics, and B, that I'm introducing the interview and doesn't yeah. let me do anything. Because that's so before funny. he learned not to trust me. <laughs> Well, and that's another thing. Uh, well, in the interview with uh, the developers of Feist, uh, they're actually from Switzerland. Uh, we incorporated the game music in the uh, in the interview, and I was yeah. thinking to myself, "How is our podcast better back then?" And I haven't been keeping up with this shit. I Wait. don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, that was from the interview. Like, it really those, was. I it wasn't that was, me just being fancy, no. Yeah, I thought you just pulled like segments of the interview and then spliced together music for like good trend. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah if you listen to that OG then. episode, <laughs> that, that music's <laughs> in there. Cared. Yep. Oh, man, it's unreal, Bren. God. We have like... just done nothing but decline. <laughs> <laughs> and we've gotten bigger guests since then. I've just gotten lazier. That's how entertainment works. 
Oh god, it's all because of Moss. But no, really, <laughs> it's, it's cool that uh, we even had any game developers on our program. We're so grateful. Yeah, I think it's also we just didn't know what we were doing, so it's like we got out. We got, we got the early imposter syndrome because we are nobody, and now we're like, yeah, we've accepted imposter syndrome. We are nobody. We've just accepted it and stop stop going the extra mile. But uh, yeah, no, the music definitely brought me right back. And uh, when they're talking about it, it's one of those things where if it's done right no one really notices because it feels so natural because it feels like it belonged there in that setting and in that world. And right. that's definitely a case with Feist where once I heard it, I was immediately brought back like to those levels, like jumping around through those forests and in the silhouette um, for anyone who didn't play. It's got that silhouette style up front in the foreground and in the background to all these beautiful colors and like uh, stages and stuff like they were talking about. So it, it immediately brought me back. I didn't realize how, impactful that music was until i hear it <laughs> six years later seven years later yeah right. i was like oh, oh yeah took me right back to bren uh that oh, game's yeah. fantastic everyone check out these games if you haven't already and in fact when we were playing it came from space and Ader brains it was like in the beta phase uh oh, i yeah, liked how I remco that. threw you under the bus there uh, <laughs> with the whole leaderboards he's like we got to get out of beta phase to get the real leaderboards <laughs> i'm doing well on the leaderboard we gotta bring everyone else and it's like no don't do that to me this is all i got right now man but he was uh, even in that episode. Some of the conversation that didn't make it into this uh, recap, uh, he was mentioning all the uh, updates and stuff they were working on, and they have since added so many levels and stuff. That game's oh, yeah. completely fleshed out. It's pretty cool to revisit. So uh, check that one out. It kind of got like an Among Us like uh, boost, where like I guess just a streamer, like uh, like we said, there was updates to it and stuff. But there's nothing I could really notice that was major to it. It wasn't like a sequel or a big expansion pack. And then just, like, maybe a few months ago, maybe a year ago or so, it kind of just got a big resurgence out of nowhere. And it's I'm a game that just, deserves that, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No denying that. But I think a streamer might have found it and just was playing it with some friends, and then they played it with friends and so on and so on. And it kind of just got this big bump. I remember seeing it, like, on Twitter again. I was like, oh, shit. Where did this come from? This old right. gem. Old gem, right. I was I did pretty good at it for a while, but, uh, like we were saying in that interview, it it, it just gets real tough at a certain point where you need all four players and you need a team that knows how to play. It's not one where you can solo it if you're good enough. Like, I got as far as I could a few times and you need other people. You really do. I tried soloing and had not much luck at all. Yeah, it's tough. But um, I do remember specifically the upgrades to those guns were really satisfying. Hell so yes. There's plenty of horde mode games and like Left 4 Dead style games. Uh, we're actually recording this the day of the game awards and they just announced like four or five more games that are pretty much Left 4 Dead clones. Ooh. Um, but uh, so horde games were popular as popular as ever. Um, but I remember when it came from space, those upgrades were really satisfying because they weren't just like, I got an upgrade to the pistol. Now it just does bigger numbers. And it's like, that doesn't, that's nothing. Right. But like certain upgrades were like wider shots does more damage and you can actually see it like just punching holes through enemies and like you you saw and felt the upgrades with it and it was really you know for a game that's just about shooting you want to make sure all aspects of that shooting is good and they did that so definitely but it's crazy to hear that they were like yeah the demo for this was like after beta or you know after early access or or early development it was like oh, it was like eight weeks and then crossed to the Dutchman's <laughs> taking us a few years it's like yeah. wow wow yeah. <laughs> games are wild. They really are. And that's why we're so excited to talk to the people that create them. And in fact, we have two more installments of best of our game developer interviews uh, coming on the following Fridays of December. So keep your eyes and ear out for that. But that's going to do it for this one. Let's wrap it up and do some plugs. Uh, Bren, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, how about your other podcast? 
You can find me on Twitter at abtsbrendan. It's mostly me just retweeting abts stuff. And uh, are we there yet? Which is my other podcast about anime. We're doing one Christmas episode this year because we burnt ourselves out on the first year. Turns out there's not a lot of Christmas anime. Who would have so thought? Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, Come there's on, plen- Japan. There's plenty of shows that have like one Christmas episode, but that's like towards the end of the season or series. So it's like that's right. too deep for us. So yeah, but uh, yeah. Check out that Christmas episode coming out soon. Definitely. And listener, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're findable at all the places at ABT Silence, especially twitch.tv slash ABT Silence, where I'm streaming a variety of games. So uh, give us a follow there and come hang out in the chat. But that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday with a regular episode. See you guys. See you.